everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Ann James from DrAnnJames.com, and I present to you the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast. This podcast highlights and gives voice to the remarkable experiences and expertise of women of color who are currently serving or have served in any branch of the military. I believe that these inspirational stories of triumph and trial will help other women in the military and veteran communities successfully navigate their own freedom journey. You see, my definition of freedom is when you embrace the mindset of doing what you want, when you want, without ever worrying about money. Listen in as we chat it up about everything freedom. I'm talking about financial freedom, lifestyle freedom, and everything in between. Before we jump in, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss a future episode. So with that, let's get to it. Hey there, it's your host, Dr. Ann, it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Crystal Ellington. In her desire to carry on her family legacy of military service, Crystal decided to join the Army. She saw the military not only as a way to pass on legacy of service to her son, but it also provided her the opportunity to realize her own full potential. Currently, as a combat veteran, Crystal leverages her time in the military to ensure those that have served or those that are still serving have a voice and a safe space. As the CEO of Gen Honest Consultant and a fellow in the George W. Bush Presidential Center Stand to Veterans Leadership Program, Crystal has been recognized as someone who is passionate about speaking up for those who have been historically disenfranchised, systematically excluded, and institutionally oppressed. With that, let's get to it with my guest, Crystal Ellington. Hey, Crystal, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, Dr. Ann. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, girl, I am well. I'm well. I'm glad we finally were able to connect. It's probably been, what, about a year in the making. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And we've had some situations where our talents have overlapped, but this is our first time really being able to chat one-on-one. So I'm super excited. I'm so excited as well. So before we jump into your experiences as not only a woman veteran, but a woman veteran of color, there's one question that I always like to ask my guests because everybody has a different take on it and I have a different take. So I just love hearing the different perspectives from everyone. So when you hear the word freedom, what does that mean to you? I grapple with this question a lot because I sit at various intersections, right? And, you know, I'm Black, I'm a woman, I'm queer, I'm a veteran, I'm disabled. So I think that my vision and my perspective of freedom is going to be a lot different than most veterans that you speak to. So, I mean, I see it as having the power and the right to show up as my full self and not having a fear to do so. And when I say fear, I mean, like from emotional and physical violence of discrimination, of racism and all of the other isms that impact someone that sits at all these intersections, just being able to show up as my full self in the world. That's how I define it. Hey, check this out. We just heard our guests define freedom for themselves. Now I want to take a minute to share with you what freedom, especially financial freedom, means to me. I'm Dr. Ann, the CEO of Financial Freedom Battle Buddies, and my definition of financial freedom is being able to do what you want, when you want, without ever worried about money. You see, I'm on a mission and I'm committed to helping members of the military and veteran community take command of their finances so that they can live their life of freedom they fought for and deserve. So if you're ready to begin your financial freedom journey and you don't want to go at it alone, I would love to chat with you about how we can start conquering money together. 
All you have to do is click the connect with me button in the show notes and schedule a freedom chat with me or visit my website at www.dranjames.com. Once again, that's dranjames.com to schedule your freedom chat with me. With that, let's get back to the show. All right. No, that's, you know, I've heard that before, especially, you know, from those of us that once we transition out of the military, we're finally able to be mm-hmm. who we want to be and not try to fit in or to hide, you know, that type of stuff. We can just really wild out if we want to and do <laughs> what we want to do, right? I can so wear I, hot pink nail polish if I yes, want to. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I can go crazy, cut my hair, dye my hair, nail polish, lipstick, popping, all that, and not <laughs> right? have to worry about it. So I definitely understand that. So thank you for sharing that with us. So with that, out of all the things in the world, what made you decide to join the military? It was really two things. So it was two words that come to mind, and that is legacy and potential. Now, I say legacy because my grandfather, my uncle, and my aunt all served in the Army. So I had no choice but to be a soldier. There was no other branch that I was going to be able to come home at Thanksgiving and Christmas (laughs) and say that I was a part of. So having that legacy prior to my service and then also building a legacy for my six year old son for him to just really understand what it means to have a sense of duty and a sense of service, not only to yourself and to your family, but to your country was really important to me. And then the second word, which is potential, really impacted me as well, because not only did I want to realize my potential as someone that was able to show up and serve my country and defend democracy, but I also believe strongly still to this day in the potential of this country. Not necessarily of how it is right now, because I'm not even going to touch on that. I'm not going to get on my soapbox today. But I strongly believe that we still, as Americans and folks that have the potential and the capacity to serve in the nation's greatest armed forces, have the opportunity to shape what our country's potential looks like. Gotcha. Gotcha. Legacy and potential. I hear you. So you are Army, right? So I got that right. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I understand the legacy part in a bit in that my oldest brother, he was in the military and um, he's like the reason I joined, but my stepfather was in the army. Okay. So opposite of you, I knew I wasn't going to do the army. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do us like that. (laughs) You know, I just knew, you know, doing that. Going out to the field for two weeks or you know, longer or PT in the morning. I just, I knew I wasn't doing the army, you know, so I grew up kind of like an army brat in my teenage years. But one summer I went to visit my brother. He was in the Air Force. He was stationed in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I really liked what I saw and stuff like that. So I, you know, like I said, following his footsteps and decided to join the world's greatest Air Force. So, you know, I get it. I give all the branches a hard time, but we know that. We know it's one team, one fight, right? right. So, exactly. you know, it doesn't really matter. If we, we can give each other a hard time, but don't, don't let nobody else try to talk bad about us. That's right. That's family. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your um, job while you were in the Army? And how long did you serve? So I served for four years. I was Mm -hmm. medically retired. 
And it's funny that you actually mentioned being in the Air Force because the closest that I got to the Air Force was aviation. So I was a helicopter mechanic in a special operations unit. So that's what I did. Wow. A helicopter mechanic. (laughs) How was that? You know, especially as a a woman, how was that? Oh, oh my goodness. How much time you got? Um, (laughs) Let's hear it. That's why I brought you on. It was very interesting. I'll start there. I graduated from an aeronautical university, Mm Embry-Riddle, and I already knew that I had a background in aviation. So that's where I felt most comfortable. So as soon as I joined, I was like, I want to work on aircraft. So working on the Blackhawks, which is the aircraft that I uh, maintained, was what interested me the most. I was like, oh, that looks so cool. I want to do that. So initially, when I came in, I got orders to go to Fort Drum, New York. Now, if anything, anybody knows anything about Fort Drum, it is so cold there that the Alaska units go there to do their cold weather training. So I was like, I'm a Florida girl. I'm not doing that. What do I have to do to get out of this assignment? They was like, well you can join 160th store. I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So join 160th. And it was very much an environment where I learned my job very quickly. It was something that gave me the opportunity to really utilize my skills because I thrive in fast paced environments. I love having a change of pace every single day. So that part was great, but it was also very male oriented. The image that you have in your mind of the typical veteran, that's who I talk to every single day. So it was cishet white men. Mm. Um, So being in that environment, it was very alienating and I felt ostracized a lot. I did not feel like I fit in. I did not feel like if I did get deployed that the people to my left and my right would have my back. Mm. So it had its ups and downs. I'll leave Mm. it at that. How did you handle that? How did you deal with that? Deal with all that day in and day out? So the work portion of it, I feel like I thrived at that because having an aviation background, a lot of it came natural to me, but then the microaggressions and some of the personal things that I went through were not so easy to deal with. I felt like as a woman of color, I constantly had to prove myself, had to prove I was smart enough, had to prove I was strong enough. For instance, before I even got to my unit, they knew that I was Black and they knew that I had a degree. So they automatically had this image of me that I felt like I was better than them because Mm -hmm. I had a degree. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know plenty of stupid people with degrees, so you can't (laughs) even make that assumption that I was going to come in here and be all, you know, uppity about it, for lack of a better word. But I would also have day-to-day microaggressions. Like I would have one NCO ask me how long my hair was under my weave. I was getting ready for a board one year. And in the midst of going through that already tedious process, I had another NCO ask me how I felt about the Confederate flag. And now being a Black woman from the South, which they knew about me, what feelings am I going to have about the Confederate flag? They're not going to be good. (laughs) And then you know, dealing with all that, I filed an an EO complaint because I got tired of having these microaggressions day to day. And then I had my investigating officer tell me, oh, that's not what they meant. That wasn't their intent to be racist or anything like that. And then to add insult to injury, he he was trying to give me a history lesson on how Black people own slaves. And he had a mixed niece. And I'm just like- 
that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was rough. Wow. Mm-hmm. What is it? <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I'm like, what is their fascination with our hair? Because I, I had the same experience when you said that. Like I had just went natural and you know, I had my hair in twist, mm-hmm. right? Mind you, I was a, well, I think I was a captain by then. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it ain't just, you know, in enlisted ranks. These officers too felt comfortable enough asking me, what are those thingies in your hair? Not thingies. Girl, oh, no. I was like, thingies? <laughs> okay, well, it's not February, but you're about to get a Black History Month right. education. <laughs> you're going to learn today. <laughs> you're going to learn today, sir. Okay? <laughs> and it's just, I don't get it. I never got it, you know? And it's just one of those things where, like you said, you have to prove yourself, go above and beyond that you're that you're capable and I knew that I think the bad thing about me, because I started out enlisted, right? And then I switched over. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I was enlisted for 12 years. What? And then I switched over. So it was hard starting over, you know, as a butter bar, as a second lieutenant. Mm. But I will always say, I'm not your average second lieutenant. Right. Well, you know, my actions proved it. And they couldn't, t- that's a bit, my mouth, they really couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> you know, <it's- laughs> <laughs> you and know, you're not going to talk like, to me in any type of way. Yeah. When you know your stuff in and out and you have served for a certain amount of time and you have the knowledge and you have the skill set to really speak to these experiences and speak to your job and to your yeah. MOS, they're like, they don't know what to do with that. It's like, wait a minute. This captain is talking to me any kind of way. Absolutely is. And, and I respectfully, ma'am, yes. sir. You know yes. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I definitely, um, yeah, I wasn't that. <laughs> I wasn't the um, your average. So did you have any mentors or those that you can look up, look at or go to outside of your everyday job in aviation? Because like you said, you were surrounded by stereotypical. So were there any individuals outside of your organizations that, you know, you could relate to, that you could go to for guidance? Or was that kind of scarce as well. It was definitely scarce. There certainly were not any Black officers within my unit that I could really go to and feel like it was a safe space. Unfortunately, I'm going to try to put this as PC as I can. Girl, but please, are... this is my podcast. We ain't got to PC <laughs> nothing. <Shoot>. When... <laughs> That's what that freedom is about, okay? Yes. You PC nothing, but I understand. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure as you can relate, like not all skin folk are kin folk. So it is very hard to tell which people that you can trust and which folks that you can go to. And it is a safe space. And I was not in a place in my career where I was willing to take that risk. So it was a lot of me just kind of, you know, grinning and bearing it. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet a... NCO of color until I actually had to go through a very traumatic experience. I went through sexual assault while I was serving. And it wasn't until I met my victim advocate, which was outside of my unit. And it was Master Sergeant Rivera. She was amazing, absolutely phenomenal, 
just in how she carried herself and the professionalism that she brought to her rank and just her as a person, how she really cared about the people that she came into contact with. And I was like, man, do I really have to go outside of my unit to really find folks that I can feel like I'm safe with? Even having to deal with that on a day-to-day basis, it was very disheartening and it was re-traumatizing in and of Mm. itself because I felt like I didn't have anywhere to turn. Yeah, I hear that a lot, you know, especially like you said, even (laughs) in our own ranks, right? Those that look like us, that don't necessarily mean it's a good thing. That's right. I don't necessarily mean, like you said, it's a safe space. Sometimes our own kind (laughs) or worse than, you know, those that we, you know, are trying to get away from type of thing. And so I definitely get it. So what made you um, decide to um, transition out of military? I think you said you was medically retired or something like that. Okay. Okay. After four years. Yes. Okay. Okay. How was your experience with the VA? If if at all, any, you know, once you transition out. Um, (laughs) 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 So I stayed in Washington because that's where I was stationed over at JBLM. Mm -hmm. I stayed up there for a little while after I transitioned out and the VA up there actually was very good. So while I was transitioning out and doing a lot of my out processing, Mm -hmm. those experiences, like when I would have appointments, trying to get my ratings and all that stuff, Everything was on point. My appointments were within a week or two. It was great. People were on time. Appointments didn't take long. It was great. Get down here to Florida and it is a mess. Mm. I have had my own primary care physician cancel an appointment by accident and then didn't even reach out to see what happened. I have waited three weeks to get an appointment just for mental health. It has been an absolute disaster. Mm. Um, And I have spoken to a few other veterans that have been down here in Florida as well. And it is more of the same. And the fact that the VA care isn't uniform across the board, no matter where you are, I think is a huge gap. And I think that it's something that really needs to be addressed because it shouldn't take for me to go to another state to get quality health care from the VA. I have served. I have put my life on the line for this country. Why aren't we getting the care that we need? And it shouldn't be based on my gender preferences or this color of my skin or my gender. So, yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, Yeah, I definitely get it. I definitely get it. I know that you're doing a lot of things on the other side. That's how we came to get to know each other when you're doing your work with Minority Veterans of America. So what are you up to now? Oh, man, I have to say I'm all over the place. Um, (laughs) Ultimately, I would say my goal is the same, though. It is to make sure folks that have been underrepresented and marginalized, making sure that they have a voice and making sure that they feel seen and heard. And I think that the fast paced battle rhythm that I had when I was serving has really translated over into my life now, like to my detriment sometimes. So right now, I'm currently the director of anti-racist storytelling at the Community Center for Education Results. It's a mouthful, (laughs) which is an education equity nonprofit, and they're based out of Seattle. What we do is make sure that there is education equity from cradle to career. So making sure that we're working from 
levels all the way down to preschool, all the way up to college, making sure that we are leading with race. And when I say leading with race, I mean leading with Black and centering community. And then I am also the founder of Genonix Consulting, which is a diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting firm. And we mostly work with government affiliated entities and VSOs, making sure that they have quality DEI conception and implementation in their organizations. And then I also have a few fellowships on board. I am currently in the Veterans Program for Politics and Civic Engagement through Syracuse University and also in New Politics Answering the Call program. I was also in the George W. Bush Stand to Veterans Leadership Program, an absolutely amazing program for anybody that's listening. Highly recommend it. They have it for military spouses too, because I know military spouses are historically looked over as well. Yes, they are. And then also as of this month, I've been accepted into the Truman National Security Project as a political partner. So super excited to see how I can collaborate and add my skills there as well. There's more, but I'm for the sake of time and brevity, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Girl, I knew you had a lot going on. I mean, every time I see somewhere on LinkedIn, I'm like, what's she, what's she doing now? Sure, oh, she but <laughs> well, that's, that but, goes back to that mentality. Like you got to be twice as good to get half as far. So yeah, yeah. You gotta stay on but track. even more so, I think that's even more important is your drive to continually to be of service. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like that doesn't stop just because we transition out of the military. If it's deep part of who we are, whether it's serving four years or serving 30 years, mm-hmm. that spirit of service is a part of us. And you're like a reflection of all of that. So, wow. I knew you was busy, though. That's why I was like, I know she busy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, that's... Yeah. I totally agree. Having that service-minded spirit is really what I want to instill in the future soldiers as well that come after me. Like Shirley Chisholm said, like service is the price we pay for our time here on earth. And I truly believe Mm -hmm. that. So definitely, definitely. So before I let you go, what piece of advice would you give any woman veterans that's listening, but really particularly um, any woman veteran of color or a woman of color that's still serving that may be, you know, experiencing some of the things that you experience that may be working in these male-oriented career fields, you know, and they're the only face that they see that looks like themselves. What piece of advice would you pass on? So for women veterans that are continuing to serve as we speak, I would definitely say, please make sure to get involved in service organizations while you're still serving. Even if they are for veterans and that's specifically where they focus, please still get involved. It's a great way to network. And it's a great way to feel like you're not out here by yourself because nobody is an island. All of us need help. We need community So please make sure you're reaching out and ensuring that you're getting the help and support that you need. And then as far as the veterans, please make sure you do your research on the veteran uh, resources that are out here because there are so many and so many Mm -hmm. people do not take advantage of them. Even if it just boils down to you going back and getting 100% disability because you know you deserve it but you feel like it's too tedious of a process, sis, just go do it because you have earned it. It is something that you have to advocate for. Become your biggest advocate. 
And then to folks that are serving and have served, above all, just be kind to yourself at the end of the day. Kind of yourself. I love that. And I'm so glad you touched on for those that have transitioned out, you know, doing their research in regards to their benefits. I hear so many people say, oh, no, that's too much work. Or, oh, I didn't deploy, you know, that type of stuff. I'm like, that has nothing to do with, <laughs> you know, whether you're eligible for that disability or not. Thank you um, for mentioning that. I don't care if it's 10% or 100%. I want it. If it's mine, (laughs) you know, I want it. So they're going to get everything out of you and they have. So you definitely need to get what you're entitled to. So I'm definitely here for it. So if any of my listeners want to um, get in contact with you to find out more about the programs that you, you know, have been involved in or the consulting that um, you are doing now as well, how would they go about um, reaching you, Crystal? So I am most active on LinkedIn. I am glued to my phone, but more than likely I am on my LinkedIn page. If anyone wants to reach me, I try to stay off of the TikTok and the Twitter and all this stuff, especially with Uncle Elon out here, mm-hmm. you know, doing his thing on Twitter. <laughs> so please reach out to me and find my name, Crystal Ellington on LinkedIn. And also reach out to me, hello at Jen Onyx consulting.com. That's G-E-N-O-N-Y-X consulting.com. All right. All right. And we'll definitely make sure that we get that in the show notes as well. So once again, sis, thank you so much for um, being on the podcast today. I wish you continued success, but as you tell others, be gentle with yourself, slow down now. Take a break and rest. (laughs) You don't have to do all the things all at the same time, but definitely take care of yourself as well. And thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for your service, your continued service, I should say. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. And I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you for listening to another remarkable episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave a review, and make sure you spread the word about the podcast to your battle buddies. To learn more, please jump over to www.drannjames.com. Thanks again for spending time with us, and be sure to join in next time to the Freedom Battle Buddies of Color podcast.